morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're in the room or whether you're worshiping with us online, we want to encourage you to stand and worship today because there is joy in his house. Amen. Come on, let's worship.
And that's all praise is. It is the outward expression of the inward emotion of thanksgiving. And when you praise God, we're just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And when I think of people all around the world who wish they could come together like we're doing right now and just praise God. To lift lift up their hands, holy hands. Hands made holy by the blood of Jesus and through the righteousness of God. Without fear of being arrested without fear of losing everything they possess, including their lives. We are so blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me share with you the words of Max Licato, one of our favorite writers, one of mine at least, speaking of praise. He said, oh, let us praise the Lord with gladness, folks. The Bible says that over and over, doesn't it? He says, the main purpose of coming before the King of Kings is to lift up his name, to give him homage. We need to praise him. David said, I will praise the Lord at all times. He said, lifting up our heart and our hands, exalting God with our voices, should be the preoccupation of all those who dwell in the kingdom of God. That's us. Amen. He said, praise is the highest duty of any being who loves and serves the Lord. He says, in praise we reestablish the proper chain of command set by God. We acknowledge his sovereignty in our lives. In praise we recognize that the king is on the throne and that he alone can save his people. Isn't that wonderful? When we praise God, we're saying, God, we know you're in charge. You're the commander-in-chief. We give you honor, and we're listening for your orders today. I think I have just a few more minutes. I can read to you what the psalmist said in a beautiful Psalm 149 about praising God. Psalm 149 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your maker. O people of Jerusalem, exalt in your king. Praise his name with dancing. Want to dance? Hallelujah. Accompanied by tambourines and harp. For the Lord delights in his people. God delights in us when we praise him. He crowns the humble with victory. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands. Amen. Let us go before the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. Mm, Dear Heavenly Father, almighty and precious God, we thank you, O Lord, for blessing us with yet another glorious day, a day to bask in your essence and your divine presence. Lord, help us to be more like you, more like Jesus. Fill us, dear God, with your Holy Spirit anew and again. Order our steps today, dear God, according to your word, your will, 
your good pleasure for each and every one of our individual lives. Father God, we love you. Christ, we adore thee. Who alone would die on the cross and give his last drop of blood for us but you? We owe you everything. To the very depths of our heart, we are yours. We thank you once again for loving us so much. We thank you for the privilege of making us yours and that you are ours. No one can take that away. What a wonderful, wonderful gift you've given us. You've made our lives so worthwhile, so meaningful. Lord, we ask today that you bless everybody who is here today, dear God. You know the desires of their heart, Lord. You know what they need in their life. You know what uh, uh, healings they need, the lands that they need healed, to use the words of Solomon. Heal our lands, oh God. Physical lands, spiritual lands, emotional lands, financial lands. You know where we need, Lord. You know where we lack. We're trusting in you, dear God. Lord, bless our nation all around this country. People are suffering. People are hurting. People have lost so much. If it's fire, floods, what hurricanes. Lord, we need a Savior today. We need you every day. You said, in the day of trouble, call on me. I will hearken unto you. And I will save you. And you shall glorify me. Father God, we glorify you right now. In thought, word, and deed. We are just privileged to do so. And Lord, we just ask that you watch over each and every one of us throughout the rest of this day, the rest of this week. And we will give you all the honor and all the glory in the magnificent, matchless, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated, brothers and sisters. Hey, CTC family. I'm Casey, and here's this week's news. It's hard to believe that we are into September, but we are excited about a few things that will be happening at CTC this fall. One of those is Trunk or Treat. This year, it will be hosted at the Ellesmere campus on Sunday, October 31st from 5 to 8 p.m. We are looking for some of you to get creative and decorate your vehicle. We also need help with staffing the event. There will be pumpkin decorating, face painting, and games, as well as candy. If you would like to donate candy for this event, you can drop it off at either campus. For volunteer sign-up, contact Lynn Poindexter at the Bear Campus office at lpoindexter at ctcde.church. Community Day is coming on September 19th, and that is just a couple of weeks away. We have been talking for the last several weeks about all the things that will be happening on this day. We want to be able to effectively reach out to our community, so we need you to get involved. Our website has a link for you to be able to sign up for a specific time to work a game or man an inflatable or just talk to people about the ministries of CTC. Plan now to be here and to invite someone to come with you. We are beginning rehearsals this week for our Christmas show, Welcome to Bethlehem. Our auditions went very well and we have our acting cast in place for the most part, but we are still looking for people interested in being in the chorus. If you would like to be involved in this, contact Michelle Passwaters at mpasswaters at ctcde.church. Rehearsals for the chorus will begin on Sunday, September 12th at 1.30 p.m. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302 998 4584. 
You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you are worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. you're here with us. Oh, I love hearing responses. All week teaching, I say good morning and I just get grumbles. Um, So I love hearing a response. But good morning, everyone here. And then good morning to all of those online, even though I can't see you. Welcome to our service today. So I hope everyone is having a good morning so far. So if you are new here and you're in person, again, welcome. And before you leave, once you exit the sanctuary and, you know, just turn your whole person to the left, you will see the Welcome Center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And if you are new here and you are online, you can click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just appeared in the chat right now. And also connect cards. I think Pastor Rogers holding one. Yes, he is. If you don't know what the connect cards look like and you're in person, this is what it looks like. We would love for you to fill it out for us so we know that you were here today. And also, if you do have any prayer requests, you can write that too because we are always praying for you. And for those of you online, I did not forget about you. You can click the connect here button. Uh, yeah, the connect. Yeah, connect card button at the top, or click what just appeared in the chat now. Pastor Rogers' turn. Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, again, I do welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We gather together to worship our Lord, and it's good to be together in the house of the Lord. Um, We want to practice generosity here in everything that we do, and uh, one of the we have several principles that we follow to do that. So I ask you to read this principle with me that we see on the screen. We give with a sense of loyalty. In support of fellow believers. There's so many ways that we take care of each other. And that's one of the things that healthy churches do. We take care of each other. Woo, yay. And we help each other uh, in that way. And uh, so this is one of those principles. As you're giving this morning, whether you give your time or your, your, your uh, skills, your passions, we want you to, we want you to do that. Uh, And out of what God has provided for us, we give back to God as a sign of our own faith. So as you give this morning, if you want to use the envelope here or you're giving online, uh, uh, if you use the envelope, we ask you to put your uh, prayer requests on here and drop them in the baskets that are by the doors as you leave today. There's a scripture verse that goes along with this principle. Let's read this together. We know what real love is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Powerful scripture. So I encourage you and thank you uh, at the same time for living out those principles as we uh, walk together with Jesus Christ. Now, I invite us to stand together as we continue to worship uh, our Lord. And uh, let me offer a prayer as the team comes back to lead us in singing. Let's stand as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and your time that you, that you, this time that you bring us to. Come, Holy Spirit, and do exactly what uh, scriptures say you do, that you inhabit the praises of your people. We want you to live in our hearts. 
so that we can live forever. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue to worship Him this morning, we are reminded today that we are all invited to the table of the Lord. So let's worship Him together. And I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. And I won't hunger anymore at His table. Sing it again.
Lord, that we have been invited to the table of the Lord. There's a really cool story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It actually begins in chapter 4. I'm going to summarize it. I encourage you to look at it at some point. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's about a young man named Mephibosheth who was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan and David were best friends growing up and, and all through their lives. And David made a promise to Jonathan that he, was always, he would always be kind to his family. Later on in life, after David had found out that both Saul and Jonathan had, had died, he asked his servants, is there anybody left in Jonathan's family that I can show kindness to? And there was one son, his name was Mephibosheth. Well, when he was five years old, he was dropped in an effort to get him out in an emergency, and he became lame in both legs. So he couldn't walk. So the king invited him in, and, the, and Mephibosheth said to the king, what, what do you want with a dog like me? And he said, you're part of Jonathan's family. And I promised that I would always show kindness to him. So later on in chapter 9, it says that Mephibosheth always ate at the king's table. Now, when you think about sitting around a table like that, you think about fine linens and tablecloths and everything just set out just right. Well, Mephibosheth was crippled, so he might have felt out of place. He might have felt like singled out but when he sat down in that chair and he slid his legs up under that tablecloth he became just like everybody else at the table and that's who the king is who is inviting us to his table today so it doesn't matter what handicap you think you have what condition you think you have that makes you unworthy to sit at the king's table. He's invited you. So is that an invitation that you really want to turn down today? I don't think so. Because when we sit down at his table, we can listen to him say all the things about us that he says about us. Not what the world says about us. Not how we are not enough. We're not smart enough. We're not talented enough. We're, we're not beautiful enough. All of those things that the world will tell us. But when we sit at the king's table, he tells us what he wants to tell us about us. What he knows already about us. So that's an invitation that we want to accept this morning. Is to come to the king's table. And worship around his feet. Amen. Thank you. Who am I that the Oh, 
Lord, we celebrate the fact that you've invited us to come and to be your children, to sit at your table, to worship you. We thank you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You all may be seated. I have an introduction that I want to make and then a a time of prayer. I'm standing beside April Loper Brown. April is a new member to our staff this morning. She will be, uh, and, and from here on out, not just this morning. She will be leading us in our children and families ministries. And so we are glad to welcome her. And uh, yay, yay. And uh, I was so glad to see many children coming, uh, coming in and families. And on, the, on communion Sundays, we, we ask that our families come and worship together. That's important to us that our children learn uh, to see grown-ups worshiping and being part of the service. And uh, so today we're asking the children to stay here with us. And, and the youngest children are obviously in their, in their room back with uh, Kevin and Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both too new here. Forget people's names too quickly. But I want us to take an opportunity and pray for April. I'm going to ask Pastor Bill. Darren, you're one of our lay elders. Would you come up here and, and we'll lay hands on April as, as she, uh, she, she began last Wednesday. And uh, we, we just want to pray for her this morning. And uh, we, we, I don't know, April, why don't you say good morning? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Are you excited to be in ministry with us? Yes, I am. <laughs> of course. What else is she going to say? And uh, April brings all kinds of skills to us, and we're excited for, for her. Now, I have two, two instructions uh, after the service today. If you're here in the room, I said this last night. Let's overwhelm April with, with our love and our kindness. So please introduce yourself on, on your way out. And then tell April how many children are in your family and how many children you're going to bring to the ministries that we have here uh, so that we can flood, uh, flood the area with wonderful children and the ministries that we do. That's, she's not nervous at all. That's just, that's just nothing. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's pray together. And I encourage you to, to lift your hands up. If you're online, go ahead and put your hands out towards the screen. And if you're with us, let's, let's pray for April this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call to ministry that you give to us. And it's a call that you give to every person here. Everyone who says, Jesus, I will follow you. Everyone who says, Jesus, I need you. We don't say that except that you have first called us to come and be with you. And you have a purpose for us. You have a purpose for every person. And Lord, we're so glad that April has answered that call and and, uh, moved into this. It's a career change for her. And uh, we trust you with her. We trust you with ourselves. We trust you uh, to provide everything that she needs to do this work. Not for her sake, not for our sake, but for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're here, God, so that every person can experience the life-changing love of Jesus. So help us do that. Strengthen April. Give her, the, give her the ideas. And help us as a congregation not look at her and say, April, it's your job to teach my child faith. Nope, that's not how it works. It's her job to help our parents, to help us pass faith on to our children. And we thank you for the work that she's going to do for us. So strengthen her, empower her. Thank you for her family who's here today. We pray for them. We pray that they would have everything that they need. And, uh, Lord, we just give you the thanks and the praise, what it is to serve you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, April. In part one of this series, we learned about the character of Jesus. Now that we know who he is, we can talk about what it's like to live for him. Even though the Christian life has its victories and rewards, we cannot expect it to be without struggles, sufferings, confrontations, sacrifices, trials. But in all these things, Jesus is there, equipping us and bringing us hope. If we give him the chance, even though he asks us to give up everything, he will prove that every step of the journey is worth it. Mark my words. There's a little phrase in that introduction, even though he asks us to give up everything. That's kind of the phrase that we're talking about today. As we've been going through the book of Mark, you remember the first part of Mark, we've, we've asked the question, who is Jesus? And we hear several people answering that question throughout the book of Mark. Uh, human beings, did Jesus' disciples realize that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah, and they're following him as such. And then in chapter 9, right in the middle of the book, Jesus goes to the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, and there Elijah and Moses meet with him, and they hear this booming voice from heaven. It's God declaring and answering the question, who is Jesus? God declares, this is my Son. So his disciples recognized who he was. God is proclaiming and announcing who he is. That's pretty declarative, isn't it? <laughs> you hear this voice. This is my son. And then the instruction, listen to him. Don't just say, okay, there's Jesus. That's good. That's nice. No. God says, listen to him. And so we've been listening to Jesus. And the rest of the book, we've been asking the question, what is life with Jesus like? Teach us, Jesus. If we indeed say that we're going to trust you and follow you, we're going to have to do what you say. Are there any teachers here? We've got a few teachers here. Teachers, you expect your students not just to grab hold of the information. You expect your students to be able to do something with the information that you share with them. And you don't share information with your students just to give them book knowledge. You share information with students in order to change their lives. Right? Yes. And so the word disciple literally means student. There are many of us who think we're students of Jesus, but we don't do what he says. Imagine being on a football team. And your coach, who is your teacher, he's the one or she's the one, whatever, teaching you how to play the game, how to improve your skills. And the coach gives you an instruction tailored for you. And you say, nice, coach, it's good information, but you don't ever put it into practice. How long are you going to be on that coach's team? Not long, if he's a good coach. Jesus is the same way. Jesus expects his disciples to act on the things that Jesus is teaching his disciples to do. His students. So, are you being an intentional student of Jesus? 
not just learning, but acting on what Jesus says. So as we learn in this, what is life with Jesus like, we're learning the things that if Jesus is doing this thing, he wants us also to do this thing. So we've been looking at all kinds of words throughout the book of Mark. We get Today we look at Mark chapter 15, and the word that we use to describe what is life with Jesus like is sacrifice. Life with Jesus is going to require sacrifice. And today, our scripture takes us to the sacrifice that Jesus himself makes, which is to give up his own life. We know the story about Jesus dying on the cross. And if we look at Mark chapter 15, we're going to look zero in on just a a short period of time in the longer experience of Jesus' sacrifice. So let's look at Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 41. It's on page 846 in the Bibles that we have here. I encourage you to follow along. Verse 33 says, and it comes into the middle of Jesus' crucifixion. He's already been hung on the cross. And it says, verse 33, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you didn't catch it in the last song we sang, it it says, I am a child of God. I am not forsaken. And if you received the phone call that I sent out on Thursday night, I know it was late this week because I forgot to do it. I got busy in the day, but it came up. I talked about this verse and, and how we have, to, we, have to, we have to realize that Jesus, in his fullness of humanity, was forsaken by his heavenly Father. That's what death is. Eternal and spiritual death is being separated from God. And Jesus experienced that. If he didn't experience that, he's not who he says he is. He had to die. He had to experience the punishment of our own sin, which is eternal death, which is spiritual death, physical death, separation from God. Jesus experienced that. And before we get to the celebration of the resurrection on Sunday, we've got to realize that Jesus died. And in his death, his heavenly father forsook him. Is that a word? That's what I used. That's what I said. And Jesus cried out, why, daddy, have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders heard that. This is verse 35. Some of the bystanders misunderstood. They thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. And one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. Wait, that man said. Let's see whether Elijah comes down to take him. That moment, Jesus uttered another loud cry, and he breathed his last. We as humans, it's not long in life that we get through life when we realize what that experience is like. 
as we watch it in those we love. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, also Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. And many other women whom, who, who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. Where are the men? <laughs> we know as we read the rest of the context, we know where some of his followers went. Other, uh, other gospels show to us that John was there. But Mark emphasizes the women who are there. This is the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Jesus' journey, Jesus' walking, Jesus' purpose leads him to sacrificing himself. We've got crosses. The children, as they came in this morning, received this little thing. And taped to it was this little cross. We're giving the children a cross this morning just as a, as a sign, something to remember that Jesus sacrificed himself and died on the cross. In this little uh, pamphlet, we've got a picture that I encourage the children to color. And uh, show me your pictures after the service. And uh, we're gonna, in a minute, we're going to see my drawing, but not yet. <laughs> got some more preaching to do before we get to that. I want to get ahead of myself. But the cross is a sign of Christ's sacrifice for us. And Jesus calls us to go the same places that he goes, which means we also must make a sacrifice. What kind of a sacrifice? Jesus said to his disciples and others back in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Then Jesus calling the crowd... Not just his disciples. Jesus was speaking to the large group of people who had gathered. He called to them to join his disciples. Come, follow me along with my disciples, my students. Come and join my students. In those days, Jesus was called rabbi. Some of our translations called Jesus a rabbi. And that simply was a Hebrew word meaning teacher. And there were many rabbis in those days. And they, they, had, they had schools. Each one of them had a gathering of disciples that would follow them, and they would teach them their ways. So Jesus was one of many rabbis who was inviting people to come and follow him. And so he's speaking to this large crowd. He's got his disciples who are sitting over here. They're the ones who have said, who've decided, I'm going to be a student of this man, Jesus, and I'm going to listen to his teachings, and I'm going to seek to put them in practice in my life. And then Jesus turns to the crowd, and he says, Come, join my disciples. And he says, If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. And take up your cross and follow me. You can't carry your own stuff and take up the cross that Jesus has for you. 
You've got to let go of those things that you think are your life. And you've got to pick up the way of Jesus. I think I said this a few, a few weeks ago. I referenced this same verse and I made the observation that, that when Jesus said these words, take up your cross, back in chapter 8. Now, we all in our world today, we know about Easter. We know about Jesus' resurrection. We celebrate that. Many of us believe it. And we have experienced that new life in our own lives. And when we see a cross, when we hear the phrase, take up your cross, the the thought that comes to our mind immediately is Jesus dying on the cross. But think about it. When Jesus said these words back in chapter 8, he had not yet been crucified on his cross. And they did not have that powerful image of him dying on the cross to reference. When Jesus said, take up your cross. What did they reference? They referenced a criminal. They referenced a murderer, perhaps. They referenced somebody who was experiencing death as punishment for their sins. <laughs> I can imagine the puzzlement in their, in their minds as they, as they wonder, Jesus, what are you talking about? Take up my cross. I'm not a criminal. Yeah, we all have broken God's law. We all have. And we've got to come to the realization that we're not following the way that God leads us. It's the way of life that God gave to us. The Old Testament Scriptures, uh, God says several times to the Israelites, follow my ways and you will live a long and good life. But if you let down my ways and you pick up your own ways, that's the wrong way. And that leads to death. You've got to take, you've got to let down your own ways, Jesus is saying. Give up your own way. Give it up. Surrender it. And take up your cross and do as I do. Little children, I remember growing up in upstate New York. Seems like we had more snow than we did as I, as I got older. Maybe if you grew up in Delaware or any place farther south, you might think that there was more snow. But do you ever remember trying to walk in the footsteps through snow, in somebody else's footsteps? When I was a little boy, we had lots of snow, and I would try to follow my father's footsteps. And my little legs were not as long as his grown-up legs. And I'd have to leap between this one and that one. I was following my father doing as he did. I wasn't as successful at it as he was because I was young. But as I matured, I got better at following in his footsteps. And then the day came when I realized my son's following in my footsteps. And I'm patient with him. God, Jesus has us on this journey that requires us to grow up. And to mature. And to become who God created us to be. Jesus says to us, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. Take up the way that I am walking and follow me. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
You can't carry loving God and love anything else with all your heart or even a piece of it and still love God with all your heart. These are absolute terms that Jesus is using. And then Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't take care of yourself or your own family and ignore your neighbor. And as the floods came, I remembered a church member from 15 years ago. He loved God. He was a Christian. He sought to follow Jesus. But he would get angry, and he was really angry with God. And, and I talked with him one day about, uh, about the barriers. We all have barriers. We all have questions that we don't understand that God's asking. And I was talking with him one day about that. And he says, you know what really bugs me about God and about Christians? He says, what, why is it? That we Christians, when the, when, the, when the tornado comes or the flood comes, we say, Oh God, protect my house, protect my stuff, protect my family. And when the flood is over and we realize that I got through that unscathed, but then we look out our window and we see that the tornado has just completely ravaged our neighbor's house, we still say, Thank you, God, for saving me. Doesn't God care about our neighbor? Absolutely He does. And, and, and I, I said, I can't remember what his name was. What was his name? Bill. His name was Bill. I said, Bill, that makes perfect sense. So what do we do about that? We ask God to help our neighbor. <laughs> we ask God to say, God, did you spare my house so that I could share with my neighbor? I think the answer is Yes. And in our world today, we see our neighbors all around the world, and we do have a responsibility to take care of our neighbors wherever they are. Jesus says, follow me. And these are two commands that he gives. He says, these are the greatest commands. Not one is greater than the other. They're equal to each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the other one is equal to that. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the sacrifice Jesus makes, and he asks us to make it too. The sacrifice that God wants from us is not an end to our lives. Pagan religions sacrificed their children and ended their child's life. But God said, that's not what I want from you. We can look back to the story of Abraham and Isaac and how, how God said to Abraham, I want you to give me your son. Go to Mount Sinai, or was it Moriah? Uh Uh-oh. Moriah? Mary? I think so. so. Mary thinks so. That's right. (laughs) Thank you, Mary, for being my fact checker. (laughs) God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. But in the end, God provided another way where all the other pagan religions were doing just that. They were sacrificing their children for their gods. But God says to Abraham, I want you to start doing this, but I'm going to show the world something different. My children do not sacrifice their own children in worship of me, the one and only God. I am going to provide another way. So God asking the sacrifice of us is not an end to our lives. God is the God of the living, not the dead. 
We're no good to God or anyone else dead. So that's why God gives us eternal life. He wants us to be a living, not a dead, sacrifice. And we are to continue, as Paul says in Romans 12.1, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all He has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind of sacrifice that He will find acceptable. And Paul says, this is truly the way to worship Him. Do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Stop it. (laughs) Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, is this word. Remember last week or two weeks ago? I gave us a little Greek lesson. I told you about a Greek word called telos, T-E-L-O-S, in our English letters. Telos. And it means mature, complete, fulfilled, but it also means perfect. And that is the kind of perfect, that is the very Greek word that is behind this English word perfect. Telos. Mature, complete, fulfilled. So let me put some of those synonyms in there. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and fulfilled. You have a purpose. And your, pur- your perfect purpose is not like anybody else's in this room. Because Daniel, who plays the drums for us, is fulfilled when he's playing the drums because that's the purpose that God has for him right now. But that does not look anything like the fulfillment of Darren, one of our lay elders, who is... I know Darren a little bit. I'm going to embarrass you. I don't mean to embarrass you. Daniel, Darren is gifted to understand people's spiritual condition. He senses things. God has given him an ability that is... In my mind, unique. And Darren is not ashamed to use that wherever he is. That's why Darren's one of our lay elders because he goes, he doesn't, I'm sorry, Darren, I'm put you on the spot. But both Daniel and Darren are perfect in what they're doing when they're doing what God has for them to do. But they don't look anything alike. In the book of Hosea, Chapter 6, verse 6, God says these words to his people. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God wants you. God desires a relationship, a friendship. God wants you to know who He is and the purpose that He has for you. 
And Jesus follows this Old Testament teaching to obey his heavenly Father in order to know his heavenly Father. And he teaches us to do the same. If we are following Jesus, we will sacrifice. We will sacrificially love others. We're not going to die. That's good news. That day, many people stood around Jesus, watching him make his offering to God, give his life, in order that we can have life. And we know that three days later, God reached down, breathed breath again in Jesus. Pumped blood again through Jesus' broken, literally, heart. Healed him. Gave him life again. Proving And Jesus says to us, because I live, you also will live. Trust Him. Give up the things that you think you must have in this world. Take up the cross. Take up the way of following Jesus. I want to look at one of the responses to Jesus' sacrifice. Remember back in in the first part of the book of Mark, we heard Peter declare... And Peter, Jesus asked Peter, but who do you say I am? And Peter declared, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And then in chapter 9, God made that declaration of who Jesus is on the mountain. This is my Son with whom I am pleased. Listen to Him. And let's look in this picture. Here's, here's Here's the picture that I drew. We got a picture. I took a photo. Isn't that a pretty picture? Children, what's your picture look like? You drawn a picture? Oh, yeah, I colored it. Now, let's count them. One, two, three soldiers. Do you see the soldiers in my picture? There's, each of them has a red cape on, and they got helmets on, and uh, they've got spears. You can see Jesus, the backside of the cross, Jesus hanging on the cross. There are three soldiers. Why are there three soldiers? Because there are three criminals. What is the job of this soldier? This soldier has one job. He has one order. He's a soldier. He was commanded to watch Jesus die. Don't let anybody touch him. He is to suffer death as a criminal. And so this soldier is in his post, and he's doing nothing but watching Jesus die. And he stands there, and Jesus dies. He hears Jesus breathe his last. And that soldier, here's a close-up of him. He says these words. Where's my passage? I want to make sure I get it right. <laughs> Verse 39. When the, listen to the text. When the Roman officer who stood facing him... That's how I know he wasn't supposed to move. Because his, his order was to, you face this man. The other two soldiers were given the orders. You face this criminal. You face this criminal. Do not take your eyes off him. 
So the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died. And he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. The Roman soldier declares who Jesus is in case anybody had any question. This Jesus is the Son of God. Even the world can recognize that. Even those who didn't follow Jesus can recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Even those who don't believe in Him can recognize there's something about this man that we must follow Him. I'm going to ruin the, ruin the power of my sermon now by telling a funny story. Let's go back to that picture, the close-up of the Roman soldier. Okay, so we all have big computers now, and our iPhones even can do this. When we take a picture and we put it in our little portfolio, we put it in our folders, we put it in our saved images, our phones and our computers have facial recognition software on them, right? And you might have an app on your phone that that looks at all the pictures that you got, and, and it picks out your family members and you can tell it who you want it to pick out so that you can search for for people in in pictures and so i do that on some of my family pictures there's 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 pictures that and i pull up the picture and it labels it roger and it labels it carolyn and it labels it ryan and i got a whole bunch of and that helps me sort out my pictures so i can have a a folder of emily and a folder of ryan and things like that and it's very useful software i'm going to tell you something funny I, i colored my picture I scanned it into my computer. I made this picture. And all of a sudden, my computer recognized this face with one of my family members. And right underneath his, this Roman soldier's chest, my computer labeled this man Mom. <laughs> it said, This is my mother. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Pastor Vaughn, we joke. Pastor Vaughn hears people saying things, and he, all of a sudden he'll say, There's a sermon in that. Pastor Vaughn, what's the sermon in that? This is my mother. My mother wasn't that ugly. (laughs) She's a beautiful woman. She's with Jesus now, and she's laughing. (laughs) Let's hope so. (laughs) Actually, she's turning to that Roman soldier who's probably with Jesus now because he recognized him. And my mom is turning to that Roman soldier and saying, why did you have to look like me? Whatever. Let me ask you this question. If my computer can recognize things like that. Do you think Jesus can recognize you? And are you are you in that picture? Are you in that folder? Are you in that fold of the sheep of Jesus? Come on in. Trust in Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus calls us to sacrifice, to take, to give up our old life. He will give us a new life, whatever you're facing today. And the thing is, Pastor Bill has said this a number of times. He says, you know, Romans said, be a living sacrifice. And Pastor Bill has said, and I've said this too, the problem with being a living sacrifice is that they tend to crawl off the altar. And we do that because we're living. And God, we still have a choice. We can say one day, God, I give this to you. But the next day we can pick that back up. Or we can say, I give myself to you as, a, as an offering on the altar. And then two or three days later we realize that we've crawled off that altar back to that world that we had said we'd give up. But we have a choice again. When we realize that, we have to say, God, I'm giving it back to you. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment. And that is the sign of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. Let's take time to pray, to thank God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, in these moments, we make our confession to you. The ways that we, perhaps some of us, have never set aside, we've never made a decision to follow you. We've never made a decision to let go of the way of our own way of life. We've been trying, God, some of us to, to grab hold of our old way and your blessings. But we can't, we can't grab hold of your blessings if we're still holding on to the old ways. Our hands are full. And you're looking at us with something that you want to do for us, something you want to give to us. And, and we say, God, I want that. I want that. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, you don't have any room to hold on to it. You can't handle it. So we've got to turn around. We've got to stop. And we've got to confess. And we say, Jesus, I know I've not been following you with this part of my life or any part of my life. And just as that Roman soldier was able to see you and say, you are the Son of God. I am saying to you, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Jesus, we remember that night when you took the bread and you broke it. You gave thanks, gave it to your disciples, said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. When you took the cup, you broke it. You said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. You forgive us. Come, Holy Spirit, and bless us this day as we receive this bread and this juice, that they indeed may be for us your body, strengthening us, renewing us, giving us new life, your blood cleansing us, giving us life once again. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take the cup that's before you if you're at home. Get some juice, get some bread. In, in these, in these uh, little things on your table or uh, things uh, on uh, your chair, Pastor Vaughn, we have gluten-free uh, up here, Pastor Vaughn. If you just lift your hand if you prefer to have gluten-free. Pastor Vaughn, right down the center aisle. Uh, uh, just lift your hand and he will bring gluten-free cup to you. If you peel off the plastic, the clear plastic on the very top of it, you can get the... The wafer that's just beneath it, this is the bread. <laughs> and then you peel off the foil that is beneath the bread to open up the little cup of juice.
Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. Let's take and eat and be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my sign that I forgive you and I give you new life. Let's drink and be thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself to us in this way. Help us, God. Help us, Jesus. Let go of the things of this world so that we can take up the cross that you have for us and receive the mature, full, complete life that you have planned for each of us from the very beginning. Thank you for life, Jesus. And thank you for life everlasting. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to, as we sing, come forward if you want to pray. Continue praying here. Come to the prayer stations uh, if you're online. Uh, post a prayer request or something so that people can pray with you there. But let's continue to worship. table.
we owe everything to you. But the good news for us today is that you're not standing with a handout demanding payment because the price has already been paid. The only thing you want us to do is as we read and heard a few minutes ago, to take up our cross, to lay down those things that are meaningful to us and to take up the things that are meaningful to you and follow after you. So, Lord, that's the people we want to be today and every day. It's the people that follow hard, that chase after you. So, Lord, help us to be those people. Father, we pray that as we go from this place today, your spirit would go with us. Thank you for the joy that there is in being together in the house of the Lord. But, God, help us to take that strength and that joy and put it to work in the marketplace on our jobs as our students go back to school and as teachers go back to school, Lord, we pray your anointing would rest on them, your protection, your blessing, your safety. Lord, not just for those who are associated with us, but every teacher, every student. Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege of worship. Go with us, we pray now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being online with us. If you're online, our uh, host will be around for another 10 minutes or so. If you need prayer or you need someone to talk with, uh, pray with, they'll be there. The front is still open. People are still at the prayer stations. God bless you. Have a great week.